Well, thanks everyone for joining us here on Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. And I, again, want to thank you all. I really appreciate that, that you show up for our show. We really, really uh, need your support and we love it. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My next guest, uh, just some of his uh, peers, close peers, have said this about him. Uh, innovator, he's an innovator, a visionary in the computer-aided manufacturing industry. Another has said he is a catamaran sailor <laughs> and sharp businessman. His word is his bond. My guest, I want to, you all to welcome to Plant Profits, uh, Mr. William Bill Gibbs, founder of Sweet Dreams Vineyard. Bill, how are you? How's it going? I'm, I'm good, Fern. I'm doing fantastic this morning. Oh, my God. How much did you pay these fellas to talk to talk about you like this? This I is amazing. Like to know, I would like to know who said that about me. That's what I'd like to know. We never reveal our sources. I see. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's uh, that's great. You, you have had uh, an interesting path. Yes, uh, I'm old. That's why. <laughs> you know. I wasn't thinking that, but when <laughs> folks tell me that, I, I think the same thing you said out loud. I'm old. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, uh, it's it's crazy, but it's uh, but it's it's been good to you. You've been in uh, several businesses, exited some businesses and uh, done some really um, uh, cool things. Now, you chose Arizona to live. Oh, is that where you're from or how did you, how did Arizona become part of the plan? Oh, it was easy. When I was 17, that's yeah. where I went. I went to Arizona State University for my undergraduate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, the girls brought me out here. Right. That's and, what I hear about Arizona State. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then after I graduated Arizona State, I realized I had to learn something. So then I went. to the So university. you oh, you graduated from school. Then you decided to learn. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, so then I went to then I started as a. <clears throat> then I went to University of Illinois, I guess, in, in accounting and uh, became a CPA. Okay. And, and went to work in Chicago until I realized I hated accounting. So, how long did that take? That took about 15 minutes. And yeah. Then, and then, then about, you had to endure until yeah. you were ready to make that move, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Actually, the truth is, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious because yeah. although I don't like accounting, it is the language of business. And until you understand all the numbers, yeah. you can't speak the language. And so um, you really need to know that stuff to be able to navigate a successful business. And so it's done me well, yeah. but it's been a real pain in the, you know what, to figure it all out basically and learn how to do it. Yeah, that, that is, 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 is quite interesting. You're, what you say is so right about the numbers of business. If you don't understand it, you're lost. And um it's hard to be successful when you don't understand the numbers in a business game. Um, so what was, what was your first entrepreneurial type adventure? Uh, well, let's think about that. My first entrepreneurial type adventure. That's an interesting question. It actually was a software, software company. Yeah. So, so I had my first job out of, out of college was, um, was Price Waterhouse Coopers, which is a CPA firm, mm -hmm. and but I 
but I was lucky enough to talk him into letting me come to Phoenix out of Chicago and run their startup and run their consulting department. Right. I consulted other businesses. And in the process of that, started a software company for a uh, legal billing and um, time system, basically, because attorneys were doing all this work, all their tracking manually, and computers had just kind of come into being at that time. Mm-hmm. Remember, you you look like you're old enough to remember the old IBM days. I looked that bad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so, so that one, that was my first venture. And then in the process of doing that, I, I met this gentleman who, uh, who had come to Pricewaterhouse to file bankruptcy for a little company he'd started called the University of Phoenix. He'd been in business for <laughs> 10 years and he'd lost, he'd been in business for 10 years and he'd lost about $3 million. Wow. And when I found out he he had the only for-profit university in the world that was fully accredited. I was like, make me an offer. I can't refuse. Mm-hmm. And so then 10 years later, after taking them public at a valuation of about seven or $8 billion, mm-hmm. um, I had decided that I couldn't afford to work. I had three small kids at home. You know, I'd just taken this company public. Right. Had a lot of shares, so I quit and I went from the CEO to the soccer coach, and I did that for about another eight or nine years. Until you, after that event, you stayed home. I was the I was the Mister Mom. Yeah, it was a mom, but I stayed home, became the soccer coach, and yeah, you know, built a house with an indoor basketball gym, and yeah, um, you know, all the kids came to our house, and I did that for until the kids were out of the house basically. And they didn't want anything actually before that, at some point they just didn't want anything to do with me anymore. Yeah. So, tired of you go to work, dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get out of here. Right. And so, um, so then, uh, you know, I, I had always had my eye on the whole cannabis space. Right. And, um, in Arizona, when they, when they, uh, a friend said to me, why don't we try and obtain some licenses? And so we were lucky enough to obtain one of the licenses. Well, what year was this? This would have been 2010, maybe. Okay. That's yeah. That's a long time ago now. Yeah. 2010. Well, I, you probably don't know the history of this in Arizona, but in Arizona, so the licenses were awarded and then, you know, we are red Republican state. Yeah. So the state sued the federal government saying that it was the whole thing was illegal, even though it was passed by a ballot initiative, it was federally illegal. So the federal courts ruled that, and that was in fact not the case, that the state could authorize cannabis as a legal state mm-hmm. um, product. And then that took two years. So we had these licenses we sat on for two years. So it wasn't until about 2012 that we could actually do something and then it was about 2013 or 14 where we built out the grow and started uh selling the, the and developing the products and of course in those days nobody really knew you know how to you know how do you grow i hadn't been in the cannabis business right right you look in the manual there's no manual that says this yeah all, all the knowledge was illicit yeah yeah that's exactly right and it, yeah everybody i talked to 
you know, they always had a bunch of guns with them. And yeah. those were the, you know, I've seen some machetes of, also. Yeah. Yeah. There weren't a lot of people, there weren't a lot of business people in the, in the field in those right. early days, but that's kind of changed. And so, you know, the dispensary did well. How many dispensaries? So when you guys kicked the 2000, so that'd be like 2014, mm-hmm. the doors were open, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, right. So yeah. how many dispensaries did you guys uh, have? We just had the one dispensary. You had that one business. Yeah. One, we had the one business, but it was, we were in the top two or three dispensaries in the entire state. I think in terms of volume and all that, we did pretty well, you know, with that. Um, and then. Was it tough to get that license? Well, in Arizona, it was, it was, yes, it was tough in this sense. Okay. It was a lottery. Uh-huh. Okay. Which you would think would be, um, you know, a, a game of chance. Right. right. Okay. But they divided the, 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 the state up into territories. Right. And so, but you, you had to have, you had to have uh, city approval to be for the building you were going to do to be able to apply. Hey Google. So okay. we picked or I picked the location that had the fewest number of potential things that would qualify from the city perspective. So that totally narrowed the field down. Right? So in in our territory which was about 6 square miles, okay. there were two buildings that qualified and we were in one of them. Okay. And then to further to further narrow the or improve the odds, we put a dozen applications on that one facility because the way the rules have been written, that was not prohibited. And so in that sense, then our odds, we had 12 applications and the other site, which was not us, had one application. And so then- And they were going to award one. They were only going to award one. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were trying to drown the competition. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, but it's just nothing happens. We can use those terms. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, it was a, it was a real task though, because, yeah. you know, you had to, I had to have a map guy, I had to hire a map guy who drew out because you, the, the zoning rules were such that you had to be a certain number of feet from a school, a certain number of feet from a, from a church, a certain number of feet from a park. And so when you drew those concentric circles, that's what eliminated everything, right? So yeah. we only had, we, we, the building that we finally wound up actually putting the dispensary in was probably maybe 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. But when we initially applied, only about 16 feet of it qualified because those concentric circles, you see what I mean? They, yeah. they kind of intersected the arc yeah. So we could go in there, but we could show the city that this spot qualified and that's the spot we're going to do the license on. And then, so at least that got, got us an application in the door. Once we got awarded the license, then we applied for a, a variance and they granted us the variance. Variance. And there you go. Yeah. You just, yeah. you just had to get in the door. That's a, that's a great yeah. story. We're going to take a quick break. Guest is Bill Gibbs. He's founder and CEO of Sweet Dreams Vineyard. And Bill just got through sharing with us how he got into the cannabis game with one dispensary in Arizona. And Bill, when we get back, we're going to really evolve that discussion and, and, and talk about, and we're going to somehow get to where you are today because I'm really excited about what Sweet Dreams is all about. And I want you to share that with 
with our, our audience. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Plant Profits. I am Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits. My guest today is Bill Gibbs, founder and CEO of Sweet Dreams Vineyard. So, Bill, you got this, you got this dispensary up and running. Man, you know, why did you want to do this? Because this is hard work. Uh, getting into the cannabis game. It's 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 tough to do. Every story I've ever seen, every place I've ever been. It's it's not an easy thing to do, and and um, you you just come off of something real successful and staying home with your kids and you know getting them upset with you and tired of you being around all the time and and now you're back into one of the most difficult things you could ever do. Tell me about that. Well, I, I kind of belong to the Warren Buffett school of work. You know, everybody yeah. has to do something. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm I'm not a Although I was a pretty good golfer, but um, <laughs> I find that really boring. Yeah. And so for me, my hobby is is working. You know, I, I got to have something I get up in the morning and do and enjoy. And yeah, and I'm kind of a builder. I just like building things and building companies, building homes, building mm -hmm. whatever. And so that's the motivation that effectively effectively drives me. But I do have. I should tell you this one story of why I got into the cannabis business, which is yeah. Okay, because. When I was taking the University of Phoenix public, right. we went to New York, obviously, and we were trying to sell the offering to mm -hmm. all the various funds there, basically. And the the gentleman that originally had started the University of Phoenix was a man by the name of John Sperling, and he was a really big Democratic politician. And uh, in those days, that was the that was the early nineties. Okay. okay. He was the one, well, he wasn't the one, but he, along with, with uh, George Soros and Peter Lewis, kind of funded the Marijuana Policy Project in New York to start investigating how to legalize it in California. And so, you know, we would do our work during the day and, and selling the offering. And then at, at night, you know, I had to go to dinner. So I went to dinner a few times with these guys. And they were the ones that figured out how to get this thing like placed on the ballot in California. And this was the early nineties and get all that okay. wow. you know, done. So, so I was kind of indoctrinated into the whole thing and kind of all of the, in those days, the statistics about how unfair it was in terms of who was incarcerated um, and how the whole drug war thing had totally failed. And, you know, a lot of that in those days wasn't complete public knowledge, I guess, to the general public, I'm sure it was knowledge to a lot of people. But that was one of the things that that kind of spurred me on, you know, to to um, to get into the into the business. The other thing that happened to me was I was at a cocktail party mm -hmm. one night and it was uh, it was God, he was almost 90 years old. It was John McCain's wife's father who who told me his his story about yeah. how he got involved in the beer distributorship. That's right, yeah. When prohibition ended here. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you want to look for a sea change that's going to occur. Mm -hmm. And if you can get in before it actually occurs, 
then that's where all the money gets made, you know? And so that's, so look for something like that. Yeah. So that's really, a great, great way of thinking about it. I mean, that's exactly what you did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when the, when the cannabis opportunity came up and it was being legalized here, I thought, yeah, I really need to kind of get into this, figure this out. So that's, that's kind of why I did that. Okay. Yeah. And, and you picked dispensary as the, the entry point for you. I did because it was really in those days, you know, the only mm-hmm. thing that was available to, That's right. to do, you know, I mean, um, uh, in, in this state, you, if you owned a dispensary, it was, a, it was a, uh, a vertical license. So you had the, you had the dispensary, you had the grow, you had the distribution, you had everything in the one license, basically. You know, some states now that's that's bifurcated and broken up, but it's mm-hmm. all of them. Okay, got it, got it. Now, so that happened, and you exited. You got out of that dispensary business, right? I, you know, I it was like it was like I didn't want to. Yeah. But you ever seen the movie um, Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty? Yeah. Remember that, and remember he's he's the he's the. He bought the team from the owner and the owner said to him, you know, his, the owner's the former owner's buddy said, why did you sell the team? You love the team. You didn't want to sell the team. And the guy said, well, I just, I just made a price that was so ridiculously high. I thought he'd never go for it. And he said, okay. <laughs> so that's an unexpected. Of, yes. You get an unexpected. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, the multiples, <laughs> the multiples in the business in 2019 were so high. Yeah. I couldn't say no. Yeah. So now you're on the sidelines. What, what, I mean, so what, what do you, what are you thinking? Because you had earlier invested in some vineyards. No, no, you no, hadn't. No, I'll tell you, this, I'll tell you why, why, yeah. why, okay, okay. So here's, here's why. Yeah. So when I, when we had the dispensary, we uh, also had a, a vape, we had a vape company that okay. we started that we were, we had a, a booth that was really a room up at the BizCon in in, uh, in November uh, to the show up there in, in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. MJ okay. Vegas. We yeah. had a room and we had a room full of all the vape pens and all the products and everything we were doing. And just kind of on a whim, I uh, took a bottle of wine and put a cannabis label on there and stuck it off in the corner. Okay. And Everybody that came in that booth only wanted to talk about that bottle of wine. And, and I couldn't believe it. And so even after the show, all the yeah. emails I got from people had to do from other countries, because that was a national or international show had to do with when can we get the cannabis wine? And so I, you know, I always thought that was quite interesting and it obviously had sparked a, 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 a lot of interest from people. And so when when I had sold the dispensary and it's now what, two years later, I'm thinking, man, there must be a million people doing this. And so I Googled it and nobody was doing it. Right. Nobody was like doing this substitution of alcohol, right. Substitution of cannabis for alcohol in drink form. And so I thought, wow, okay. So I'll start investigating. Why not? And, um, I thought for sure all I had to do was get some some nice de-alcoholized wine from California, put some some cannabis distillate in it, and there we go. We'd be done, right? Well, have you ever had non-alcoholic wine? I have not. 
it is. It's I not, care not to have non-alcoholic it, wine. I'd rather have alcohol in my wine. Yeah, it's not only. <laughs> it's not just bad. It is awful. It is terrible. You can't have a second glass. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I was. Like, I, I wouldn't start though. Right. <laughs> I just yeah. want you to know, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that that was out. And yeah. then I had to invent that, right? And I hired a couple of flavor labs um, and, and they couldn't come up with anything. And yeah. so finally there was a local sommelier here that, that you know, at the local bar that I go to. Yeah. And uh, I enlisted his help and we got every, every juice known to man, put it on the kitchen counter and just started playing around until we got a combination that was kind of wine-like and seemed to hide the, the THC distillate taste. And so, so you just created a lab and just start, yeah, start mixing, yeah, yeah. The successful business to start in the garage or the kitchen and mine, right, right, right. And so, so we just started mixing that until we came up with something. Now, what year was this, Bill? This would have been 2020, the beginning of 2020, basically. Oh, okay, okay. This is right. I mean, another business starts right when COVID hits. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's sitting in the kitchen drinking cannabis, trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, and of course, then the other problem, which I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Because I, I was not a big edibles person. Yeah. Is the lag time between the time you take an edible and the time it, it kicks in. Yeah, that right? that's an important piece of information that is sometimes left out. Uh of the consumption event. Yeah, and, and so, so, but the pharmaceutical companies had solved this a long time ago. Yeah. With nano emulsion technology. So, so I had to buy this expensive machine and then figure out how to run it, you know, <laughs> and run cannabis distillate through it, right? Uh, that's, that. so this was in, in uh, early 2020. Yeah. You and your, your sommelier friend uh, were, going through these iterations, trying to make this stuff drinkable. And yes. now, you know, though, for a new beverage, a new concept, it's got to taste good. Yeah. You know, it's got to really taste good or you fail before you, you start. But I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and we're going to tell us all about Sweet Dreams Vineyard. My guest today on Plant Profits is Bill Gibbs. He is the founder and CEO of Sweet Dreams Vineyards. I want to welcome you all and thank you all for being here on Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. I'm your host, Vern Davis. And my guest today is Bill Gibbs, founder and CEO of Sweet Dreams Vineyards. So, so Bill, you're starting to, you're trying to make this liquid taste good. So keep talking, tell us more. So, yeah, well, well I think we, we, we did a, we did a good job in figuring out the taste, but the, okay. issue, the issue that, that was this, this long lag time yeah. between, um, between the time you ingest cannabis and the time you start to feel something, which is not does not work because if it takes two hours for you to feel something, everybody's had that experience where after an hour you go, oh, this isn't working. I'm taking more. Yeah. And then another half hour you take some more, and then in two and a half hours your feet don't touch the ground. You're high for like three days. Yeah. Right? 
So that is not an experience that, that and more importantly, my, my feeling was I had to get this to act like alcohol. So yeah. I literally, I literally created a graph where I had people drink wine and rate their, how, how high they felt over the time period. And so it turns out that with wine, with alcohol, in about 20 to 30 minutes, you feel something. And in about two hours, you're mostly out of it. And then it trails off after that. So that was the curve I needed to hit. Okay. And so now I had this well, machine. I like that. That's that's well thought out. Yeah. Well, the, it was a goal, right? Yeah. Because everybody knows how to dose alcohol. Not everybody, right. but most people know. At least they know for themselves. Right. One, one wine glass, a two wine glass, a three wine right. glass. Right. Exactly. So, so the secret to this is getting the, the distillate, the cannabis oil to such to about less than hundred nanometers and in size. And to give you an idea, a human hair is hundred thousand nanometers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that shows you how small that droplet has to be. And then if it's that small, it passes immediately through in your small intestine in your bloodstream, just like alcohol with normal distillate your body literally has to emulsify it itself. And that's what's taking hours before it finally makes it water soluble. And then it can pass through your small intestine. Mm -hmm. So if, if I could figure out how to do that, I could make it work. And so then the secret was how do I run this machine to duplicate that curve that, that happens with alcohol. And that's pretty much exactly what we did. We just ran a bunch of experiments with people who love participating. Right. Mm -hmm. And finally got a curve that fits that. So, so basically the product, everybody knows how to use a glass of wine or, you know, now we have the margarita product, how to, how to drink a margarita. The difficulty, this still, there's a bunch of education needed with people because unlike, unlike alcohol, okay. The, whether you have a hundred milligram bottle or a five milligram bottle, the, the, and what's in the glass looks identical. So the, this, it's like having, <laughs> it's having a user have a glass of beer and a glass of vodka in front of them. The yeah. look identical, right? They need to know, <laughs> they need to know what they're drinking. And so that's where the education comes in, in terms of making sure that they start really slow. They, especially if my market share here is to try and convert existing alcohol users, old guys like, like me, mm -hmm. alcohol to something more healthy, like cannabis, mm -hmm. um, they, they can't have a bad experience the first time. No, I think that is, that is so, so true. Now is that you made a statement there that you wanted to convert folks that are accustomed to to utilizing controlled beverages uh, to your beverage is that is that your number one consumer or is it the consumer that doesn't like alcohol got off of that years ago and and um, find something magical about what can happen with cannabis? Well, it's a it's a good question. Okay, so yeah, right, right now the sales are mostly to to cannabis who people who are familiar with cannabis. Okay. Now, having said that all of our marketing material mm -hmm. and everything we've done has been geared toward the converting the alcohol user to the cannabis user. Mm -hmm. And just to give you some idea, this, the, the reason we're talking is because you responded to the press release and found that interesting that, that mm -hmm. we sent out that press release was shown in something like, 
it, it had an amazing, it had like 50 million views. And um, we were in six or seven states that we weren't even aiming at. And in, in Europe and, yeah. and wow, big, big in Mexico, the margarita, yeah. big, the cannabis margarita is big in Mexico for some reason. And I don't, since I don't speak Spanish, I don't exactly know what they're saying, but uh -huh. um, you know, it got a lot of play. So the, my, I guess my, my point is that I think that there are a lot of people that would like to entertain the use of cannabis instead of alcohol, but they're unsure exactly how to do it. And so hopefully when they see a familiar like product, it's a friendly thing. They go, oh, I know how to use a glass of wine. And if we did our job correctly and it acts like an alcohol-based wine, yeah, try it and have a good experience, then we'll pick up a customer. No doubt. No doubt. So tell us about um, Sweet Dreams Vineyard and that whole concept. Well, I mean, there's no vineyard. <laughs> right. Okay, let's get that there's, clear. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's no vineyard, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. But we do use real juice. We're not flavored water. Okay. okay. So okay. it's a real, it's a real uh food-based product, which okay. I think is what people resonate to the taste. We our biggest sales point is when people taste the products and yeah. in public we give a, a non-THC version of the product, but when they taste yeah. the product. They go, oh, that tastes pretty. They're always surprised at how yeah. good it tastes. Well, well, you know, the reason they're surprised because uh, consistently and over time, <laughs> cannabis-based liquids haven't tasted good. Yes, no. I, I, right, yeah, right. Right. So, right. So they're surprised when it tastes good. And that's part of your win. Yeah. And like I said earlier in this conversation is that if it tastes good, you got a shot. Yeah. Now, yeah. can you, can the product perform as you say, it will so that time after time after time, I know exactly what to expect from your brand. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. The difficult part for people yeah. is not, um, it's always going to be consistent for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's going to be different is one person versus another person, because as you know, cannabis has a different effect on different people. Right. You know, my wife can walk by the kitchen smelling cannabis and she's high. Right? Yeah. Okay. I have a friend that can drink a hundred milligram or a hundred um, um, milligram bottle of it mm -hmm. and not, not affect them at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so each, now that's not true with alcohol. Anybody that has a glass of wine or a beer, they yeah. pretty much, you know, have the same more or less effect. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the thing about cannabis that's, that's difficult for people. However, if we produce a consistent product that has the same effect on them and once they dial that effect in for them and they know yeah. what their limit is and what their correct dosage is, then they'll have that really nice experience. And that's, and that's what, what you want to aim for. Yeah. This, this is uh, interesting because my take, and I'm on record in saying this, and I think, and I've always thought that if we get the liquid right, the beverage part of cannabis will be the largest selling consumer totally product. Agree. And you, you know what percent it is now? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's because of it doesn't taste good. Right. And the, the effect takes too long for them to feel something and they take too much and have that bad experience. And are you around 40? taking you know drinking your product right what 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 are you finding from well what do you what did you target for the effect 
from a, from me taking a drink or taking a, a serving, however you define the serving of the product, right? When should I feel the effect? In about 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. You should start to feel something. Okay. And in 30 minutes, you should be almost as, as you know, 80% of the way there. Okay. And then, and then in a few hours, you should be out of it. Okay. And so um, maybe two to three hours, kind of like alcohol. Yeah. Everybody metabolizes a little bit differently, but that is something different about our product than, than most cannabis drinks out there. And, and that's exactly by design. And, and hopefully, you know, if we provide that consistent product, then people will use it like alcohol right. and it'll be a, a big seller. No, oh, absolutely. So uh, where, where, where can I buy the product now? Well, it's only in Arizona for, for one. Okay? okay. And there's, we just have started. So there's a half dozen different dispensaries and, you know, okay. we'll be in all of them, they're all calling. I wanted to start small because you know, I learned from my prior prior experience that you want to make all your mistakes small. You don't want to have, yeah. a, you know, have some issue and then be in 400 locations. And now you have a real issue to try and figure out. A problem. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's yeah. good. Go slow to go fast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that, that is, uh, that is awesome, man. This, this is, this is, this is great. Um, do you have are you using co-manufacturing? We are. We have a we have a partner that's helping us with the bottling and and um, okay all, all that to get everything you know distributed because really the hard part is inventing the stuff and yeah. and keeping the quality high and mm-hmm. keeping the consistency and the efficacy cons- the same basically um, and once you do that then if, if you've got a partner that can do all the distribution then then we'll do that as well. I've yeah. got six or seven other states very interested mm-hmm. in doing it, but I don't really want to do that until I get it all dialed in here, making sure yeah. it's working properly. No, I think that's the way to do it. That is, that is awesome. What, what, what does it cost at a dispensary to buy? How do you sell your product? Well, we have a, we have a the traditional wine bottle, 750 milliliter. Yeah. Okay. Bottle, and that's mm-hmm. like around 30 bucks. Okay. Twenty-eight to thirty-two. It comes in in twenty-five milligram per bottle, fifty milligram per bottle, hundred milligram per bottle. Which one's your most popular selling? Well, right now, since it's a very popular with the current cannabis users, the hundred milligram bottle yeah. is the most popular, which is going to give you, you know, about twenty milligrams of glass. Okay. okay. And that's the, that. That's that's a good. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's enough. But the but the, the twenty-five milligram bottle gives you five milligrams of glass. Right. So you see, depending on your your ability ability to consume it, right, you can do it to to whatever you want. Now the, we also have the smaller bottles, the 187 milliliter bottles. Okay, so those would be single serve bottles. Okay, and those we have in 10 milligram, 50 milligram, and 100 milligram. So one bottle is a serving. So one one well, on the in Arizona, we yeah. you can't get more than 10 milligrams of serving. So even those bottles, the 100 milligram bottle would be broken up to 10. Got it. Uh, However, if you took the whole bottle, it would be 100 milligrams. Okay. And there are people that, you know, if I took one of those bottles, I would, I, my feet wouldn't be touching the ground until next January. <laughs> you know? No, I know. I know. That is, that is great. Well, that, that's a wonderful. What else do you think we should know uh, about Sweet Dreams Vineyards, Bill? 
Oh, let's see. What else should you know? I think, you know, we pretty much covered everything. I hope likes the product. I want them to try the product. I know your show is, is got, um, you know, a large reach to it. So if they're in Arizona, come to one of the dispensaries and try it. Um, and hopefully we'll be in, in one of their state, these other states soon. Well, that, that's great. Wonderful. Uh, you have a wonderful story of entrepreneurialism. Uh, you've been very successful in what you've done. And I'm sure that what you're, you're bringing to the cannabis space, which we dreams of vineyards will be a success. I want to thank you for joining us here today. Um, my guest today, Bill Gibbs, founder and CEO of Sweet Dreams Vineyards. Bill, thank you for being here. Really um, appreciate that. And and um, we want you back as you expand and as you learn more, as you make those small mistakes in small places. Uh, that would be awesome. We'd like to hear about it uh, from Sweet Dreams Vineyards, Mr. Bill uh, Gibbs. I want to thank all, you're so welcome, Bill. I want to thank everyone for joining us here on uh, Plant Profits and uh, enjoying the episodes. You can go to wherever you get your or subscribe to podcasts, man. Just go to CannabisRadio.com, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere you get your uh, fix on, uh, uh, on podcasts. Go pick us up, download us, and look for this episode coming up with Bill Gibbs, founder and CEO of Sweet Dreams Vineyards. And you can also follow Protus Global, uh, my company, through our social network, including LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you get social media, you can find us. We are there talking to you. Finally, learn more about how we're building companies at Protus Global, how we're changing uh, lives at uh, protusglobal.com. That's P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. And until next time, I'm Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits. Cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.